Hello and welcome to Radio Primavera Sound. And it is a great pleasure to welcome an artist who's playing Nietzsche tonight uh, as we record. And it has been sold out for months, definitely before before Christmas. Follow how are you? <laughs> Hi. Uh, I'm really good. I'm I'm so happy to be back in Barcelona. It's always such a pleasure to be here. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to be here doing this. That's going to be nice. I, I I must say, I kind of wanted to, I, I couldn't work out how much to go with the French accent when I was saying your name, like, because it's a very, <laughs> very French name. <laughs> it is, it is. It was part of the joke when choosing the name. I, I knew it was going to be really complicated for many people to really pronounce it right. And I always thought it was going to be... Um, a bit mysterious around it because of the pronunciation and everything. So, yeah, it was part of it. That's a very nice name. Lots <laughs> of nice connotations. Um, I mean, you said uh, you've been back in Barcelona. You, you're based in Marseille. Do you know the city well? I don't know the city, like, way enough compared to what I would like to. But uh, I've been playing here for, like, six, seven years, almost, like, twice a year. So I start to, to know and I have many friends living here. So... Uh, like bit by bit, let's say. Because there's quite a Marseille-Barcelona connection, isn't there? It is, it is, for sure. Yeah, you can feel the vibe. Even like in the whole Spain, there is something really close to the vibe we can find in Marseille about how people are friendly, how people are warm. It's like really, uh, we like to connect with people. We like to talk, we like food, uh, and we like to party. Uh, so many things, for sure. We're going to be talking about your new album, Manifesto, which comes out in May. Um, but first, I wanted to to ask about the House of Love, which is I'm going to call it a, a clubbing concept. Is that the right way to put it? Or yeah, it is. It is. Uh, I always thought that there was something more to offer to people coming to a party. In many ways, sometimes it's only music and four walls and nothing more. And I always thought that partying was, in its way, a statement. A statement about like connecting with people, sharing emotions with people, sharing emotions through music, through values, through messages. And I always try to bring this in my AV show, for instance, or in my sets. I always try to share values and emotions and to connect people together. So I always had an idea of like creating a club night or a festival stage uh, concept, something about like pushing people to understand the value of what we have when we're dancing all together to music. So you do you put together all the lineups? I mean... Yeah. I always do, yeah, yeah. There are so many artists. I always regret to not being able to do more. Uh, there are so many amazing artists. Tonight is uh, Lis Saroka, who's actually living in Barcelona, and she's absolutely amazing. So sometimes when I'm touring, I just I'm, I meet amazing artists, and I see their set, and I'm like, I, I have to have them on my nights, and uh, I love doing it, yeah. I mean, is this going to be basically your, your plan from here on in, like curating the whole night rather than coming in and doing, you know, two hours of a set and... Yeah, 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 this is the idea. The idea is to offer more and to offer like a full night. Uh, people are really respecting that. Uh, I felt that on the last House of Love events. And every time people are coming super early and really respecting other artists like warm up and closing sets, not only coming for me and just standing before I play, which is something that sometimes I regret when I play in other stages. The headliner is the only one that makes people really going crazy. And this is not what's happening on my night. So, yeah, and... Over the time, I think I hope to be able to curate without always being on the lineup. It, it's like what I hope for the future. So I, I asked you to bring along some music that inspired um, your uh, your forthcoming album. Yeah. And uh, a a link has just appeared in my mind. Okay. Are you aware of the '80s indie band, The House of Love? No. 
Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> well. So this is a terrible link, but I'm going. They were signed to Creation. Okay. And who else was signed to Creation? No. Oasis. Oh yes. Sorry, I told you it was a terrible, terrible uh, wow. link. But okay. It, it, it was it good? I really, really like them. <laughs> I, I, I must confess, I've got. I must confess that when I first saw the House of Love uh, was was coming to yeah. to Nietzsche, I thought, oh, it's the House of Love, and then I was okay. like, oh no, it's it's another House of That's Love. That's funny. I, I should I should dig into it, but uh, names are always something that you can always find like something related to it. Even for Lamour, for instance, uh, I noticed it was like a rock, like punk rock <laughs> band, like a really, really local punk rock band from the like early 90s in South France that I noticed like two years after starting using it. So it's it's always it's always something tricky, but I will check it out. Like if it's linked to Oasis in a way, I'm sure there is something nice to take to it. I think I think they're really good. Actually, looking forward, you've got Prefab Sprout. They're not they're not that far. Maybe this will be this will be. A mo- but so uh, we're going to before we play Oasis, this is not what I expect. I mean, you know, you, the music you make, I don't want to characterize it too much, but I'd say sort of kind of funk house yeah, yeah. with a, you know <laughs> hip-hop influences spit of soul yeah yeah but exactly yeah I, i'm born in a in a in a moment in france where like hip-hop was the most interesting music and in a way still is uh in in, in different aspects in france right now but in the 90s hip-hop was like kind of like blooming and so many amazing stuff was coming out and sampling a lot of sampling and i discovered sampling when i was like young true hip-hop and soul and funk and african music and i i really fell in love with that so yeah yeah for sure i i I'm, i come from that i know why it's surprising it's surprising because for me i don't listen to the music i make in a way like uh, i don't even listen most of the time to the music i play like even funk soul i'm much more interesting in uh uh, pop music in uh, 80s pop as as you know <laughs> already in uh, African music and so many different genres so I'm not like I don't take the mu- I'm not inspired by the kind of music I'm gonna make I'm inspired by so many other type of music and in the end I make something of my own so this is why it's a bit uh, I think uh, troubling for sure so why Oasis Oasis because of the like amazing pop melodies I've always been obsessed by trying to do a melody that stick to your head forever like something that you hear once and the message and the words and the melodies are stick to you like like in your mind forever and this is something i always loved about oasis when i was a teenager i was obsessed with definitely maybe with morning glory it was just every day listening uh, in my uh, in my um, like Walkman, like all, all the time. And I think this is one of the inspirations for this album because every song has like really, really heavy melodies and something that I really worked on and took the time to work on like the best melody I can take on any type of instrumental. Well, that sounds like the perfect cue to uh, play a little bit of an eternal classic with a melody you're never going to forget, uh, Live Forever by Oasis. <laughs> I was just saying it seems criminal, criminal <laughs> to cut it off, um, but it we've got lots of things uh, to listen to. Um, you you make a lot of music, like um, almost an album a year, basically. Yeah. More. Actually, the truth is I surely produce more than 50 songs a year. Wow. All the time. So I always have like almost two albums ahead. I'm always like... I'm actually already working on, I'm actually already quite finishing <laughs> the one after <laughs> in a way. So I always try to find a way to do like freebies 
uh, or share some songs that are unexpected because I always produce so much and I always yeah, I'm always recording music all the time. I have to if I sometimes I take a month off, but after a month off, I start to really like go back. And when I go back, I do like seven songs in two weeks or something. So just I, I'm trying to deal with that. <laughs> but are, are you someone who like? sits down and think I'm going to make a song or is it just like you're in an airport or something you're like I'm just going to fiddle <laughs> around in Ableton as soon as you I'm surely more the second one yeah I'm, I'm just like sometimes I just feel it I'm, I have the energy I, I'm, I'm in a good mood I feel something and uh, I just take my computer it can be it can be any situation it can be during a car ride after an airport it can be in a flight it can be in a train it can be before a show at the hotel uh, after a show it can be any moment but most of the time I, I don't I don't sit and wait. Uh, I'm not that kind of uh, artist. I just, I just know that it's a moment for me to do something, and I just do it. And uh, I never sit around. When I'm in that, I don't feel, I don't feel good in this situation. So I, I just prefer to not confront them, and I just prefer to know that it's not the moment for me to create music, and I wait. But you're very musically educated, uh, with training in drums, bass, guitar, and percussion, yeah. right? <laughs> Um, I find it really interesting because you get some people who make dance music that have no musical training whatsoever, and you get other people who, like yourselves, who have a lot of a lot of musical training. Do you, do you find that's that's very different? You work in very different ways from other producers. Mm, it's a, it's a, it's a tough question because the truth is, I know many artists that have absolutely no, like mostly most of the time, no idea about what they're doing, like musically, you know just creating and it's amazing like they they do amazing music and sometimes there are well-trained musicians trying to do dance music and it's not that good because they don't feel it in a way so it's 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 a bit tricky for me i i i started not using my like musician skills at all i i started doing sample based music and just trying to find through my taste trying to find some interesting stuff to turn into music but with the time i i felt that it was more interesting for me to start doing more of my own on my own music. And now I'm just recording everything myself. So it depends. Even in my own process, I changed a lot about like using or not using my music, like what I learned uh, as a musician. So I think it can be it can be either way and it can be amazing in so many different ways with absolutely no, no knowledge. I think nowadays some people are just creating some emotional like gems. So I like that. Why is the album called Manifesto? That's a very, very strong name. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Uh, I always try. It. I, I think. Uh, I think for people who know my discography, for know what I released, every album has a really, really strong and meaningful, meaningful name for me. Uh, the last one was called The Journey because it was telling a story about my last few years and when I started touring a lot and when I started going all around the world and everything I felt about it. And this one is called Manifesto because I think I'm at a point in my career and also in a time, I think nowadays, where an artist has a lot to say but is never really able to share it though. In many ways, I think we're really silent uh, on, on many, many things stuff except when it's obvious when it's obvious everyone talks but on the other side we try to always play the right position and uh, I like to I like to state what I think I like to tell what I think and I think on this album I try to tell who I am as an artist and as a statement to who I am now 
and what I want to show and what I want to share as values. I wanted this album to be a message about this. So freedom, for instance, uh, is exactly about it. It's about everything I'm uh, requested to do and everything I have to be. And sometimes it's something and sometimes it's the opposite. And we expect me to be so many different things and always perfect at the right time. And I, I had to talk about it because I, I started to feel that it was so much in my mind that I couldn't think clearly without having all these noises in my thought. So I thought it was a good time to do an album that was a statement about what I am and what I think uh, me as an artist I should be. I mean, obviously the answer to this is on the album, but I mean, can you sort of sum up of like what, what, what it is you, you should be? Yeah, of course. Uh, so yeah, for example, in, in Freedom, uh, it's about me as an artist expecting, for instance, uh, a simple example is everybody wants me to go everywhere in the world all the time. But at the same time, I am always feeling guilty about it in a way because as an artist touring and everything that's, that I have to do to tour, uh, for instance, taking flights and stuff like that, it's always in my own uh, mental in my old ethic it's always something tricky so it's it's stuff like that that we expect me to be something and the opposite at the same time and to always find the right thing for instance birds it's about uh, birds with Emmanuel Jal uh, who's a South Sudanese artist that is amazing he's an amazing artist and we did a song about feeling free about breaking about like all limitations that we feel in our life especially as an artist everything that we even in our own mind, without everybody telling it, but what people expect from me, what a promoter of a party expects from me, what uh, everybody working with me are expecting for, uh, from me. So it's about all these limitations and how great it feels to just not care about them and to just feel free about everything I create. And I think this album, as all my albums, are a proof that I really don't care about what's expected from an artist. It's always impossible to describe in one word musically in genres it's it's so many different genres and i don't care about what are the rules of the moments about what type of music i should do and I, I was doing pop music and slow music when everybody was expecting club music and now that i've finally made people understand that i wanted to do something else i'm finally going back to doing club music so <laughs> i've always been kind of like that so yeah in birds for instance it's typically that kind of feeling um, about the love of about the love of everyone, about of love of uh, everyone around me and everyone loving my music and everyone I meet on the road and every other artist. It's also like a statement because some people can think that the music industry is something tough and something dark, but I don't feel it like that because people around me are not like that and the people I, I work with are not like that. So it doesn't have to be like that. So it's a statement about what you do and what you think of what you do is going to have an impact of what people think of what you're doing. <laughs> In a way, it's a bit, <laughs> it was a bit tricky, but it doesn't have to be like that. This is what I'm saying. It can be different if you choose things to be different. And uh, so there is a statement about this, but there are so many different aspects of what I think uh, and the manifest is about it. Yeah. So we're going to play another song. Uh, the, Alan's the Alan Parsons Project for a band I don't know all that well, I must confess. I know okay. I know of them, um, <laughs> and I know the big famous song that people play at sports games. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> but uh, more than that, I don't know. And we're gonna we're gonna play games people play now. Why is this? It's because the album is heavily influenced by one specific genre of music more than any others, and it's 80s pop. 
for sure, because uh, I use a lot of synths and I use a lot of like heavy chords progression, something like really stadium kind of way in some ways, something really powerful emotionally. And this is something that I learned through 80s music. All the chords progression and all the vocals and the harmonies were all done to share like heavy emotions directly to people listening to it. And Alan Parsons' projects are amazing about it. And this song specifically in the uh, harmonies of the vocals are something that I think has always been super emotional for me. And I hope people listening will, will feel that. Okay. Alan Parsons' project, Games People Play. That uh, is the Alan Parsons project, Games People Play. Yeah. Prog gone pop, prog gone pop. <laughs> exactly that. Oh, I love this song so much. It's amazing. Um, freedom. Uh, we talked a little bit about this earlier, like um, which it was the first single from yeah. the the new album. Uh, is it, quite hip hop influenced, and then Friends, the second, I would say, is more indie popish, right? And yeah. we we've kind of had that a bit with Oasis. That that is that another big influence on you? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. I think it's a. Friends is a mix between like my love for yeah Oasis and uh, like pop like amazing pop, but also um, like Tame Impala and all these bands that have been amazing in the last like 15 years. I think it's also a tribute to that because on the editing on the vocals there is a lot of like effects done on the vocals to make it sounds like this. And I think for me when I made it was like I want to try to do a pop song that I would be 100 percent. Um, assuming, like um, I don't know the term, but I would be proud of it and being able to, like, making, playing that song to any of my friends at any moment and being super excited and proud of it. Because sometimes when you make pop song, it's it's hard to because you are, like the vocals and the melodies and the lyrics have to be super clear to everyone. And uh, sometimes it makes the songs a bit simple in a way, which is also why I love pop. But when I do it, I always struggle to make it like to play to friends and being like, yeah, listen to this, this is amazing. <laughs> and with this one, I tried to have that effect where it was pop, like really big pop, but also I can play to everyone and being like, yeah, this is cool. <laughs> oh, you mentioned some of the guests on the album, like Tim Eyre, Amadou Mariam, uh, Emmanuel Jal, um, uh, Leisure, uh, Jungle by Night. Yeah. What is the secret to a good collaboration? Uh, finding nice people. I think like it's the truth. It's the truth. I only work with like effectively nice people, like super nice people. I, I like to have an atmosphere when I'm creating of non-judgmental, just super like free of stress and just having a great time with people and just making music. And every time I make music with artists, like every featuring of the album was made without having the pressure of making a song. It was not like we have to make a song for the album. Because I'm always creating, I'm never stressed about like having enough song for an album or something like that. I never create with that kind of like thought in my mind. I always create freely. So all these featurings were just like, let's spend a day together or two days together. And if we make great music and it ends up on the album, it will. And if not, we'll, we'll just have like a great time with great people. And I think all of them, like Jungle by Night, for instance, or Kazali, or Emmanuel, or Amadou and Mariam. They're all amazing people that I can spend like days with and not even creating music and just having a great time because they're super, super interesting people. So I think this is <laughs> the success for me. <laughs> so, I mean, without asking for names, are there people 
you know, that you got together with thinking maybe you'd make some music and you just had a good time and nothing came out of it? Or, or does there always kind of come something in the end? Mm, I never, I never had that. I never, sometimes I made, sometimes I spent like a few days with an artist and we make a lot of songs and none of them end up on one of my albums. I love all the songs, but it just doesn't fit with my uh, vision of what I want to do on the album. So this happens, but like, Actually, spending time with an artist and not creating anything, except when, of course, we're just having time as friends. But uh, uh, in a studio and just in the end, not making music, it never happens. Every time we just naturally end up doing something that I, I really, really love. And this is what happened in like most of the track. It was just spending time and just making music and no stress. We touched a little bit on um, The Journey, um, which was your previous album. And the title track of that album... Um, is about immigration, right? Tell me a bit about that. Yeah, um, my family comes from Algeria and uh, Italy, uh, mostly Algeria from one side and mostly Italy on the other side. And in my family, it's always been something um, that we don't talk about in a way, like my grandparents were not talking about this. And I learned about it quite late, even though my last name is clearly, (laughs) clearly Algerian, like there is no doubt about it. But it's something that in my family weren't talking about, talking about it. And so I started digging the the history of my family and understanding what was happening. And when I met uh, uh, Zik, that is featured on the song Zik Manika, uh, we just talked about where we were coming from and he was coming from Zimbabwe, moved to Scotland, started a punk band with some people and just as an amazing, amazing story, like his life is amazing. And we started to connect about moving to somewhere where we, were, where, where we didn't know what we would find on the other way because he moved to Scotland and me, I moved for a time in uh, London. Uh, I lived for two years in London a few years ago and it was like a big, it was a big moment for me of like having to start fresh in many ways and uh, it was a, like a really tricky moment for me uh, emotionally it was really heavy and i was talking ab- about it with him and we we're like yeah let's make a song about it like let's make a song about all the stress and all the trouble that can comes with having to leave your own and leave the streets that you know and leave the cities that you know to go to somewhere else with hopes and not knowing if you will find these hopes happening if uh, fulfilled so we connected about this and I'm so happy. It's one of my favorite songs I've ever worked on. Uh, and uh, and Zeke is just one of the best persons I've ever met in my life. I mean, he didn't just join any band. He joined Orange Juice for... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was pretty impressive. Yeah, this is how I met him, actually. Like, I, I, I just... I, I, I always listened to Orange Juice, part of all this music from the 80s and 90s I loved. And one day I just listened to a track that was featured, like Zeke Manika, and I was like is this the drummer of that band I, I, I've been listening when I was a teenager and stuff? And I started checking and I noticed it was the, that guy <laughs> that was a drummer in a band and now he's singing on, to, on some dance track. And, and yeah, just met him through Phase Action, that is a duo from London that introduced me to him and uh, just an amazing meeting for sure. Talking of the 80s, again, we're going to play uh, another song by a classic, classic 80s band, Prefab Sprout, At- Appetite. Again, why, why Prefab Sprout? Because of um, the unexpected. Uh, on the album, I really try to be unexpected. I, re- I really try to be able to bring people in a safe zone with like a bit more club music than I was doing before, but also keeping them on their toes, being like, okay, you don't know what the next song can be. <laughs> and I think Prefab's Road being amazing musicians. And on the albums, you never know 
where you're going with what you're listening. And this is a feeling that I want to give to people when they're listening to my albums from first song to last song, which I hope people are still doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I still have hope for this. But yes, this is why Prefab Truth for me, uh, besides the amazing pop melodies, uh, the instruments used that are pretty close to some I used on the album, it's also about like that feeling of listening to an album and not knowing what's coming next. So let's listen. Prefab Sprout Appetite. <laughs> Prefab Sprout, uh, Appetite. What a lovely song. Yeah, I love this. From the beginning, when the synth is starting, I'm like, oh, that's beautiful. And I'm just saying again, look, I, I feel bad fading them out, but we, we got we got, <laughs> we got got things to do. <laughs> yes. um, I wanted to talk about briefly, if I, if I may, um, one of the big moments in your DJing life, at least as it seems to me, mm-hmm. was the Boiler Room set. Yeah. 6.3 million views uh, as of yesterday <laughs> or something like that. Uh, and more specifically, the moment where you drop ABBA. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a massive, massive, massive ABBA fan. Oh, that's nice. Can we train spot about ABBA just for a little bit? Yeah, yeah, of uh, course. You, what's your favourite ABBA song? Mm. Yeah, I think Men's After Midnight is surely... It's surely one of my favorite in terms of like top lining and like lyrical and like writing an anthem. I think this is my favorite ABBA song for sure. But there are so many amazingly written songs. There were like, yeah, the band was amazing. Big fan too. Uh, Have you been to see their London thing? Their their London gig? No. No. Have you? No, no. (laughs) I really, 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 really want to. Um, I'm going to London soon-ish, so I'm gonna gonna go and try it. See that. And did you like their recent album? I, I quite liked it uh, in the end. I, I never like uh, bands coming back together, even though we were talking about hoping for Oasis. But uh, <laughs> I, I'm not a big fan of like bands disappearing for 20 years and coming back. It always feels a bit weird to me. But uh, I actually really like the album. I think it was not. It, it, they were not missing the point. They are still. It was still really fair and really modern and really interesting in like uh, songwriting in in many ways um, and I've read that people were quite happy with it uh, in the end I, I'm not sure but uh, from what I read people were super happy with it and I'm, I am for sure I really liked it yeah, I, yeah. Thought, I thought it was excellent I had some yeah. really really good tracks really on it. good yeah so right the moment you're, you're, you're there in the boiler room it all seems so <laughs> incredibly exposed to me you know you've got the cameras in your face yeah. you've got people all around dancing and you're, you're playing House music. The moment where you're like, oh, am I going to reach for the apple? Go on, what's going on in your head? Um, stress. <laughs> the, the, the truth is super heavy stress because um, it's hard. Uh, sometimes it's hard for, for people to understand this, but songs are not meaning the same thing for everyone. So when you're going to a country, you don't know what is their relation to a, to a song. What is their relationship to a song? For, in France, for instance, this song is the classic, but there is no like cheesy way of hearing it. There is no, it's just a, just a classic. And when I started playing it, I was like, when I started thinking about playing it like a few minutes before, I was like, I have no idea how like <laughs> Scottish people uh, uh, are, what is their relationship with ABBA? So maybe I'm going to completely, <laughs> completely miss it and I'm going to be ridiculous for three minutes. But when when the vocal started, there was such a, like massive energy released everywhere. And it was super early. I was only the second artist playing out. It was 3 p.m. It was really early. The festival only started like one hour before. And when I felt the energy, I was like, okay, this is something special. And after that, I couldn't really enjoy the moment because I just had to manage (laughs) the chaos. (laughs) Because 
what people don't see in the final edited video is like everything is falling everywhere. <laughs> so, so the turntables are falling. I actually have a friend that is coming tonight, a promoter in Barcelona, that was there and that saved the day by like holding the rock on which was uh, the camera that was falling. And in the edited video, they chose another ah. angle to not show this, but that was it was so messy and so chaotic. So... Yeah, just just stress and a bit of happiness and joy and energy and then stress again and then going back with my set. It was basically the moment. That sounds like the life of DJ. Stress, stress, stress. <laughs> and it is sometimes. A short good bit. And... Yeah. All right, we're going to play another song because we've got quite a few uh, to get through. Now, this is um, a song by Bonnie Ver. I don't even know how to say the title. I mean, I want to say 666 downward sign <laughs> yeah i think i think i think they would agree with everything okay. <laughs> i think they made the, the album in a way that i think any way you you you, you could tell the name it would be fine for them <laughs> uh and again why why this why this um, song i think for me it's one of the best bands that i've ever lived <laughs> first boniver is amazing in so many different aspects i really love how you can hear their evolution in their career you can hear they started with doing just amazingly written pop like let's say folk pop songs and then they got bored of it and they started to use a lot of editing and effects to do something really experimental and i think on this album it's like the the zenith like the best way that could be done and uh, I, I love it for me it's just a gem from the first to the to the end and in a way i love their freedom uh, on this album it's just like a, a big f you to everyone that would expect just a simple folk album that's super easy like people were saying back in the days there were a lot of jokes i remember a sketch on saturday night live like kind of trolling boniver for always writing the same song and just after that they come with this album that is just for me, one of the maybe five best albums of all time in terms of music. So this is why it's, it's not a direct inference in, in the whole way, but it's, I'm listening to it so much for the last, like since it got released and Bon Iver overall for the last 15 years, that I think it had to be in my list. <laughs> so I'm interested, in, in the House of Love night, where, you know, it's your night, yeah. you, you, can you play, like, is there a moment where you can play stuff like this? No, <laughs> no, no, I can't lie. I can't lie. Uh, there is no way, but I've always dreamed of it. I, I've always dreamed of it. I think it, it takes so much bra bravery, it takes so much courage to play something that is completely drumless, for instance, and completely abstract. But maybe one day, I'm always telling myself, one day you will be, you will, you will hold on and like you will hold your balls and do it. And uh, I think it still hasn't happened. <laughs> but I'm, I'm dreaming of it for sure. Yeah, playing a Boniver song in one of my nights would be would be something that I would cherish forever, but never happened. One night. Uh, let's have a listen, David. Boniver, Boniver. Uh, I was just thinking that I have got. Um, if you ever do decide to play some really weird music during one of your DJ gigs, I've got a request that me and my friend like. You know, me and my friends always used to talk about this when we went out clubbing and none of us became DJs, so none of us could ever do it. <laughs> but if you're ever thinking about it, um, Cheryl Crow, bit of Cheryl Crow at there. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be amazing. Yeah, I actually liked Cheryl Crow when I was uh, when I was younger. I remember the hits. It was nice. It was nice. I, I like this era of pop music for sure. Is that a yes? <laughs> it, uh, uh, is it? A, <laughs> I think I think there are so many 
songs before Sherry Crow that I would play that are already <laughs> tricky. <laughs> but actually, that that would be funny for sure. Funny for sure. Interesting and like really uh, offbeat for sure. Yeah. Because I'm interested. Like, I mean, I, we were talking about when you played Abba before, um, and um, you you were a bit nervous. And I, how for me, like playing Abba in a house set. Um, seems like a kind of quite natural thing to do mm. with the obvious proviso that I'm I'm not you know I'm yeah. not, <laughs> not a well-known <laughs> DJ. But like, how do you do you find audiences are very open-minded these days? Or mm, I think in a way it kind of like inverted in in, in some really weird ways. I remember when I started um, being a DJ in the early 2010s. Um, it was all about not playing famous songs because people were super close-minded in uh, like underground let's say super close-minded to famous songs like even in house music like playing for instance a classic like uh, you're my system of like from Kerry Chandler by Kerry Chandler was already being like oh, okay it's it's a famous song now you can't play it so for a long time it was like that and without taking the credit of it i think um, many different events kind of at the same time made it like that but uh with with the abba moment being like huge uh it did like i don't know now maybe almost a billion views of all small clips and stuff like that i think it kind of like give gave the idea that playing famous songs was the best way to make people dance and so it started to be a bit like that now like a few years later now i can feel that people are not as open-minded to unknown stuff than they are from famous songs so i think it kind of like inverted and i hope at some point we will go back to have a balance like something where you can play about but also when you play two hours of unknown songs people are still as excited as they would be when hearing like abba or something like that but i think nowadays it's still um it's still something where people love famous songs. <laughs> so it's always a fight of, like, for instance, for me, it was always a fight to keep my identity and to not start to be just the guy that played ABBA. I decided to stop playing it. And it's been a fight. <laughs> it's been a fight even with people loving what I do. It's been a fight to tell them, I'm not going to play it because you expect it too much. You expect too much m for me to play it that it, it kills every envy and desire for me to play it. And so... Like since the ABBA moment, I played it maybe 10 times or 12 times. And it was only moments where I was like, nobody asked for it. Nobody talked about it. And yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so you're playing Primavera Sound, Barcelona yeah. and Madrid um, this summer. I was just looking it up. Thursday, the 1st of June uh, here in Barcelona and Thursday, the 8th of June in Madrid. Um, and uh, I asked you, it, you know, to sort of pick us out. You're obviously a big, big music fan. And you said that maybe you can stick around for one day or, or whatever, but I was just like wondering who kind of sticks out for you in, yeah. in the bill. And yeah. uh, here, have my computer to have, <laughs> have a look. It's my, of course, it's my <laughs> humble opinion on the, on the spot. But uh, yeah, there are so many amazing, amazing stuff. Loyal Karner is, is amazing. Uh, I'm actually, I actually really like Central C and all the drill uh, vibe right now so I would be really interested in uh, in in seeing this um, well there are so many Kendrick Lamar I've, I've seen him but like really early Kendrick Lamar and it was a really really short life so I was a bit disappointed so I, I would love to, to 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 see what it is now the Mars Volta of course Mars Volta are amazing and I would love to see that Gabriel's um, Gabriel's it's uh, uh, 
I think it's one of the albums I listened the most last year. I, I, I really love the jazz, soulful, pop aspect of it. It's like something I, I, I really love. But there are so many. Um, who's playing again? My morning jacket. <laughs> we are talking about. <laughs> like I was talking about my early loves uh, in uh, like uh, punk rock and rock and uh, metal and stuff like that. And my morning jacket would be funny to 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 see nowadays. Jada G is uh, is really great. Kelela is great. Overmono are great. Uh, Younglin is cool. There are so so many. But yeah. If, you, if you're interested, check this. It's going to be really nice for sure. Like, no doubt. And I should say, I just, I just, I just sprung this on him. So if he didn't say your name, it doesn't mean, <laughs> yeah. you know. doesn't uh, mean I don't like you. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, I, I wanted to ask, actually, because you, you lived in London for two years, yeah. you said. Um, and for me, your music, you, you may not agree. For me, it feels quite uh, warm and... For me, quite typical of the south of France, <laughs> where you live. Yeah. Um, did living in London really change what you did, or mm, not really? I I I see what you mean, and I think it is like being born in uh, South France and having all this music, like North African music, for instance, all over the place, and having in my home with my parents a lot of like rock and soulful and uh, different type of great music surely point me to that direction and my love for hip-hop with funk with samples of funk and disco really made my musical education but when i moved to london it didn't really change i think i haven't spent enough time enjoying london like actually wandering around actually going to parties concerts so in the end i was still 100 percent in my own bubble when i was living in london i didn't have time because it was the moment where i started to tour all the time basically and I had no days off and I was always working so I was still living in a musical bubble so it didn't change my sound it, it gave me though the envy to feel more free in what I was doing and it was the moment where I started to really stop doing club music for instance and stop doing music that was meant to be played by DJs and start doing like pop and start doing hip-hop and start doing like soul really new soul and slow music for instance and it came from that and I think maybe being in my own bubble in London gave me that strength of being like okay I'm just gonna do what I have in my mind and I don't care I think the city gave me this so uh soul is obviously a massive influence on yeah. you um and the king of soul Marvin Gaye. Yeah. <laughs> um, you have picked out... I mean, there's so many Marvin Gaye. So many. So many Marvin Gaye. Yeah. Um, but we're going to play uh, Marvin Gaye's classic, classic, classic... <laughs> yes. I don't want to overstate it. Uh, Inner City Blues. Marvin Gaye, Inner City Blues. What a, what a, what a song. Yeah, it is. It is quite a song. I thought we were going to have a bit of trouble, like because you you came in with three songs selected from the album. I thought it was going to be hard to to whittle them down, but yeah, it, it's always hard. But uh, this one meant something. Like the album means so much, and uh, this song for me is one of the first of the album, except like besides what's going on, that really hit me when I was young, and I felt the story of it, and I felt the meaning of it, and the message. Really early on, I was feeling that it was not just a soul track like the others um uh, we kind of talked a little bit about sampling and and making your own kind of thing now apologies if you've if you've if you've actually 
sampled Marvin Gaye. Have you ever sampled Marvin Gaye? No. 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 I, I sampled some artists that I shouldn't have. Like in not <laughs> No names, no names. <laughs> <laughs> not legally, but in my own like I love this I love too much this artist to sample him. But or her but um in this case I never felt comfortable doing it. Like uh and also I don't know. It's I love Marvin Gaye so much about the meaning of what he does and of what he did and the message and the evolution in his career that sampling a short moment wouldn't mean enough. In a way. So I'm always interested in this because it's like, um, are you one of the people who's like, well, you can sample anything, you know, it's it's all kind of out there. Or are you more a kind of person who's like, yeah, I wouldn't, you know, I'm not going to sample Prince or Marvin Gaye. Yeah. Or I don't know. Like. I think I'm I'm 90% you can sample anything and make something great out of it and it's amazing. And 10%, there are some people that you don't want to screw with. <laughs> like, <laughs> like Prince, for instance, is the perfect example of artists that like just, like it's so perfect. And also sometimes sampling is done in many ways, but nowadays sampling is done to make it club. To make, like a... In, in the UK, it's huge to take a famous song and to reproduce it and to make it famous again. But most of the times, the original is already amazing. Like, we were talking about uh, Gimme, 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 <laughs> the ABBA song. It's already amazing. Like, you don't have to make it sound, like, housey or you don't have to make it sound heavy in clubs. It already sounds amazing. Staying Alive from the Bee Gees, the same. And so many songs like that are perfect as they were and it doesn't add anything to just take it and to make it sound more like bigger or something like that it's not interesting so sometimes i'm like maybe the songs are great like they are and let them rest <laughs> i think did you say there's no samples on manifesto there is no samples in manifesto yeah so how, how would you say that album relates to your your uh, your other albums your other work the new album i mean for me this album is the moment where like all the process was to finally reunite all the sides of who I am as an artist, which was super tricky because I, I started as a sample-based house producer that was playing a bit of house music, a bit of funk and soul. And then I started being the guy that was playing only original soul and funk and disco and producing pop and producing slow stuff and producing African music and not producing club music in a way. And I was like that for like four years and I was I always felt um, like having two sides of me was always a struggle. I, I always felt schizophrenic in a way, like super lost between my two personalities. And I decided that it was finally the moment to find a way to reunite everything. So I think for me, it has the house vibe and the you want to dance on most of the track that I was doing on my first album, but also it's more organic and more like it's all mostly recorded live like my last album and it also has a bit of experimental like my second album so it, it's it's a bit trying to mix everything and to find what is like it's a weird question to say myself but who is Folamour now and what is Folamour music now after all this time after like 10 years or 8 years of this project what am I doing now so this is why this album is uh, special to me it's because there is everything I am in it, which is the first time. <laughs> and I know, obviously, the album isn't isn't out yet. Um, but sort of, how how are your plans shaping up for for summer and beyond? Uh, for for what? Sorry, no. for this summer, for the oh, album yeah. release, for so the album is going to be out in May. 
So it's pretty soon. <laughs> it's pretty soon. A couple of months. It's actually right now still not announced officially. So uh, <laughs> so no, it's uh, it, it will be uh, it will be for sure. But um, it's gonna be it's now actually it's right now in the last uh, in the last few days we're working on that. But it's it's finally happening for me after two years. So we're finally revealing what I've been working on for all this time. And after that, it's going to touring this summer with my AV show. So I worked on something with visuals that are really meaningful and that are really creating another dimensions to like one of my shows, let's say. It's more than music now. It's something something that you have to see in real life to understand what I try to do with the House of Love thing. So it's releasing the album. There is two more singles coming out uh, in the next three months. And then finally uh, touring the summer with the album and playing the music out there, which I'm already doing. But the next six months are basically all about sharing all this music I've been working on for two years and showing where I am now as an artist and why I'm now as an artist. So I can't wait for the last tracks to be revealed. And I hope people will listen to it entirely because it's been made like this. Like every track is a standalone track. For me, I always make them stand alone, but it's also part of a big picture that I think if you listen to the album from the first song to the last song, you feel the whole message and who I am. You understand who I am. You can tell who I am, which is why this album is important for me. So I hope people are excited because I am. <laughs> how how do you get people to listen to it from start to finish? Other than the sort of saying that's the best way to do it. Is there anything... No. Do you just sort of get get on your social media be like, go, listen, <laughs> I actually, yeah, I always say something on Instagram or somewhere saying like, yeah, try to listen to it <laughs> entirely. And now I think for me, the way on this album was to reveal the most, like the most, the biggest number of track I can before the release of the album. So people are not sitting the day of the release and being like, wow, I have like 15 tracks to listen to that I never heard in my life <laughs> right now, which is what I did on my second album, uh, Ordinary Drugs. And uh, I noticed that it was hard for people. So on this album, in the end, we will have revealed maybe seven or eight, maybe nine songs, plus the one that I'm playing in my set. So uh, it, I think it, it makes it easier for people to being like, okay, I'm going to listen to it because I already know all these tracks. So I I know I can follow what's going to happen and I know I can have trust because I, I love this one and I love this one. And even though maybe I didn't like this one, on the whole album, it's going to be fine. So revealing more maybe is going to help people listening to it entirely. So we're, we're going to skip one song. Apologies to Childish Gambino. No, no um, problem. But uh, he, he's doing all right. Isn't yeah, he? <laughs> he doesn't need me for <laughs> He'll sure. probably be all right. <laughs> but um, uh, I, I want to uh, go on to Amadou and Mariam, yeah. Combatant. Because they feature uh, on on your album, um, again. Well, tell me. We'll talk about them being on your album after the song. But uh, what? Yeah, why the song? Why combat on? They got so many, so many songs. But yeah, they have so many. I think probably because it's the first one that really moved me when I was like a kid. Actually, because this song was released probably around ninety seven, ninety eight, something like that, and I was a kid. And I was listening to a lot of what we called, and still maybe, world music. And um, and I listened to that song and there was something really special about it that made me fall in love early, in my early <laughs> early days, already fall in love with African uh, music. And uh, I think a lot of who I am now as an artist and as a musician and my taste 
comes from that first revelation that led to me being obsessed with African music, with Nigerian music, South African music, bubble gum, and so many different aspects of it. And um, and now, like 20, more than 20 years later, I'm still obsessed with this album, the first, like maybe the first album or second album. And Combatant is such a beautiful song. So yeah, this is why. Combatant. Amadou and Mariam Combatant. Yeah. Well, I've got to say, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you here talking about uh, about um, about your forthcoming album and and everything you're up to. Um, time has really, really escaped. In in one sentence, what was it like having Amadou and Mariam on on your album? Uh, humbling, really humbling, because they work super fast and they have such a great feeling about music. And uh, yeah, really, I felt humbled and I felt like uh, me as a kid working with giants uh, and uh, uh, that was something special yeah look have a hope it goes really well it will go really well tonight it's sold out <laughs> <laughs> don't need to worry about it people, are, people don't, are... don't stress me it's gonna be fine okay <laughs> <laughs> um and if you if you fancy it, if you've got time then you know come back and see us when when you're you're playing <laughs> the festival we will we'll be there i'm sure we'll have I a hope, studio yeah. or something you know come come back and see us you're very you're very welcome. Um, you. And uh, and yeah, looking looking forward to it all. Thank yeah, you so much. It was a pleasure to have this discussion, and uh, it was great to go through all this amazing music together. I loved it. Thank uh, you. Thank you. RPS.